All right. Hey, have you, are you guys enjoying our, our series? Yeah? Are you, are you glad it's over? <laughs> I, I set myself up there. That could have been pretty disappointing. Um, I noticed a few of the Patriot fans were worshiping a little harder this morning. It was weird. I just, I saw Skip really getting into it this morning for some reason. I don't, oh, yeah, the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you too, Michelle. Well, I'll try and get you out of here on time, but man, I'm excited to not only wrap this up, but really talk about the sword of the spirit. Um, really, it's the most, one of the most unique pieces of the armor because it's really our, our, our main and only offensive weapon. And as we'll learn, it's the most powerful <laughs> weapon we have. And before we do that, you have two sets of notes. I know I gave you a lot of note pages today. But um, I wanted you to have, and, I, and I, it's not a lot of fill on the blank on the first page except the last one, but I want to kind of give you an outline of where we've been going so it can kind of trigger your memory on where we've been because we've talked a lot of, about a lot of armor, right? Or, or, is it helping you guys? Because yes. uh, the reason we're doing this is not just to have a cute little teaching on the armor. We're teaching you guys so that you can, remember, take back what the enemy's taken from you through deception and lies. And God said when he, when he died on the cross, that it is finished. It wasn't your, you're not finished. His work was finished. Our warfare just began. Yeah. Amen. So we've got to fight the good fight. We've got to fight for what God's promised us. Because remember, all the promises of God are yes and maybe. Yes and amen, or yes and so be it, or so be it done. So we know that every promise God gives us is yes and amen, but it just doesn't come because we have a Bible on our shelf. The promises God aren't yes and amen just because the Bible's there, or you've read the verse, or you've heard of a verse. The promises God are yes and amen to those who read the word, believe it in their heart, and take it by faith. You have to exercise your faith to take the promises of God. Proverbs 18:21 says this, the tongue has power has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Today we're going to talk about how powerful your confession is. How powerful what you say really means not only in this realm but in the spirit realm, the true reality, the kingdom reality. Because your words mean something, and whatever you say is going to trigger certain things in the spirit. Whether you speak life or you speak death, you're either exercising your faith for God's will to be done or hell's will to be done. There is no neutral ground, church. There is no, I'm not going to play in this game, I don't want to participate, I'll just be neutral. There is no neutrality here, guys. You're either on the side of the king or you're not on the side of the king. You either speak life that is in agreement with God's word, or you speak words that are in disagreement with the word of God, and you bring death. So there is power in the tongue. So before we get into that, let's look on really quickly. I'm not going to spend as much time as I did last week, but I want to get this in your hearts about what we've, we've talked about in the last several weeks. So what's the first piece we put on? Not the first piece we talked about, but what's the first piece of armor? Belt. The belt. So the belt of truth. Now let's, talk, let's uh, hear from some of you guys. What stood out to you about the belt? <laughs> I love this part in church. <laughs> Awkward quietness. <coughs> Did you get anything out of the belt? Do you remember the belt? Putting you on the spot, aren't I? 
I really like you. There's some, There's an anointing on you. Do you, do you know that? Holds up your pants. That's good. Yeah, remember, remember we talked about protecting the loins, remember? Do you know there's an anointing on him? You believe me? You might not see it all the time. Yeah, I, I, there's an anointing on you. And I just, I want to, I just want to pray over you right now. I'm just going to pray for you. Is that all right? Okay. Do you, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, you believe he died for you? Yeah. Yeah. Does he where does he live inside your heart? Yeah. yeah. He's right in front of me. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna pray for you. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Your anointing would come over this young man. What's your name? Cody. Cody. Cody, right now in the name of Jesus. Cody, I just speak over your life that you're gonna be a voice piece for God. You're gonna speak God's truth to people. And that you're going to have a boldness like no other, as we can already see that. So I speak boldness over you, and I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that he would guide your heart to keep it pure before God, to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and not to get distracted by the things of this world that want to take you out. But I just speak life over you in the name of Jesus. I pray the angels of God would come and minister to you according to Hebrews chapter 1. You're a special kid. Hey, we're all special, but right now, Cody, God's got his finger on you. Amen? Amen. So, so the belt of truth protects us from deception and ineffectiveness. Remember, the truth was our standard, right? And remember, on each piece of armor, we talked about what hell's strategy would be, right? Because if you have something that's defensive in nature, militarily or, or in, a, in a battle, obviously, if you're going to talk about a shield or a belt, you're gonna, there's going to be some protective thing about that. So what is this protecting us from? And what is hell's strategy to take this piece of armor out? So the belt was that hell's strategy would be that we would bring in question and compromise God's word. Remember the first uh, temptations of Christ and even um, of Adam and Eve? What happened? What happened to those? Yeah, but what was the temptation? The fruit. What's the first thing the devil said? Yeah. Did God really say that? Did God really say that? <laughs> And then what did, what did the enemy try to get Jesus? What, subliminally, he said to him? If you're really the son of God. Yeah, exactly. If you're really the son of God, do this. Wait a minute. Jesus knew who he was, but the enemy comes in to try and deceive. So if we don't have the belt of truth, which is our standard, the word of God, if we don't have the word, if this isn't your standard, then what is your standard? There is none. It's whatever feels good to you or sounds right or whatever fits your lifestyle. We are not fitting this to us. We fit us to this. This is our standard, right? So we need that belt of truth. It's the first piece we put on. It holds up. It's the, one of the foundational three that we talked about. The second one that came on after the belt was the breastplate of righteousness, which talked about being in a right standing with God and our relationship to him. So we talked about the breastplate protecting us and our confidence towards God, our standing our status with him, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? Not based upon our own works, but on him. And we talked about the righteousness to be in right standing with God or to know and be strong that, hey, I, I'm good with God. I'm right standing with him because of what Jesus did. And that protects us, right? Protects us from that concept of performance-based love. How many of us growing up and know, 
performing. We're always trying to perform in America. And the little kids, we start making them perform right away. If you get good grades, you're good. If you, you know, sports, winning, all that stuff is all about performance. So our world naturally wants to have us perform for acceptance. But God says, no, my love for you has nothing to do with your performance. And so if we have the breastplate of righteousness on and we know who we are in Christ and know what he did for us, then we can be secure and not have to worry, oh God, does God love me today? Did I do enough for him? Did I do my devotions this week? Did I attend church? Did I do all these spiritual things to make him like me? So, no, that gets thrown out of the window, right, if you have that protect, because the enemy's going to come and say, are you good enough? Look what you did yesterday. Look what you thought last night. Look at the stuff you looked at on the internet last night. Look what you did. Accusation after accusation, the enemy's going to try and bring that down to what? Mess up the righteousness or your standing with God. And then we talked about um, our focus. Our focus with the belt of truth was the word of God, obviously, and being teachable. And our focus point with the breastplate was our prayer time and journaling. Remember, we talked about spending intimate time with Jesus was all about our relationship with him. If you want to be in a good standing with God all the time, spend a lot of time with him. In the morning, get up, love on him, talk to him. He'll talk to you. And you can hear his voice every day. He'll talk to you. So if you want to have that breastplate in the right place, you got to spend time with God. And then number three was having our feet shod or having boots strapped on with the gospel of peace. And we looked at the shoes protected us from slipping and wandering. So remember the Roman soldiers, their boots or their warriors had cleats on them or spikes on the bottom so they'd give them a good grip. Remember how we talked about how dangerous it would be to be on a battlefield with, uh, you know, thongs, thongs or flip-flops? Not a thong. That was, that was weird. That was really weird. That would be dangerous. It might work. The enemy would be like, oh my gosh, I'm out of here. But can you imagine, you know, I, some of my flip-flops I've used so long that they're super smooth and slippery when you go on water. Can you imagine having combat uh, boots on that were slippery and going out and trying to have a firm footing and foundation while you fight the enemy? Well, that's the same thing. If, we don't, if we're not careful to have our feet ready, our feet shod and have those cleats on, we can get to where the enemy can cause us to slip. Remember, we talked about those places. The enemy knows that secret place that makes you slip. He knows your weakness. The Bible says, and we looked at, remember we looked at with Job, where the enemy was walking around Job? What was the enemy doing? Looking for a place. God said, hey, what are you doing, Satan? Uh, oh, he says, oh, I'm just uh, walking to and fro in the earth. Liar. God's like, uh, what are you checking out Job for? And he's like, Job, the enemy was looking at Job to see, he's like, eh, that's not fair, God, you put a hedge of protection around him, I can't even do anything. But he was looking for just a little hole, a little weakness, a little compromise. No one else is looking. No one else will know. This little patch in the back where no one sees. Got to have your shoes on. Got to have a firm foundation so you don't slip and you don't wander. Your feet take you where you go. God gives you direction. We talked about the word of God being a light unto your path, right? Hell's strategy on that would be to convince you that your circumstances dictate your obedience. That's a dangerous place. So watch out for that. He'll bring a confusion 
to try and distract you and get you off track of where God wants you to be. That's why this morning we talked about getting our focus on Jesus. Because the enemy's tool is to get your feet in the wrong direction. If you change, if this is the way we're going to Christ, and we change 0.1 degrees, we won't end up where God wants us to be. And that's why having our feet shod, being protected in that, keeps us our focus and our direction and keeps us on track. And then we talked about our focus on that should be accountability and a mentor, remember? Having accountability, having people in your life that will speak to you and call you on your junk, ask you tough questions, and keep you accountable. Iron sharpening iron, we talked about at the men's breakfast yesterday. Then that was our, our, our three, right? Remember the first three were foundational? Why were those foundational? Does anyone remember? Why were the first three foundational? Right, and you put on. And remember we talked about the word put on. And it was the same word that talked about being saturated with the Holy Ghost. Remember it was the word endued? Jesus said, wait until you are endued with power from on high. Completely saturated with that. So these three elements, the belt of truth, God's word, the breastplate of righteousness, you're standing with God, your feet are foundational, and you have to be tight with God. You have to be saturated with those things, those principles in the word to have a sure foundation. And then we looked up the second three were things we took up or uh, pick up or take up. And our first one was the what? Shield of faith. So shield of faith protects us from entertaining lies, from the act of being deceived. Remember, we talked about that. Hell's strategy was he would bring, try and bring doubt and unbelief and fear. He would get you to think, oh, that's too risky. Don't do that. God may or may not back you up. Remember that doubt that he'll bring in? So the shield of faith was protecting us from what? Lies. lies. Fiery darts, we looked at those, were the same word used in the word for Satan, which is diabolos, right? Bolos is what? Remember the thing? <laughs> right? To throw through, to capture, kill, or injure. So diabolos, to throw through, we looked at the same thing as these darts were the same Greek word used to throwing darts and throwing something right through your mind to get you to think something. If the enemy can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. So up here is where that battle is, and the shield of faith is what we protect those, from those thoughts. And this, of course, our focus was discernment and alertness. And I know this is a lot of information, but this is just review. Um, you can, we can talk about it later. We can grow in it. We can uh, meditate on it later. All right, next one, helmet of salvation. That was a fun one, and I did that one first. Why did I do that one first? Does anyone remember? Why did I talk about the helmet first? Huh? So identity comes first, that you're who you are up here? Who, what? Yes, that was one of our main, the battlefield is right here. Spiritual warfare is right up here. It's the battlefield of the mind. And if you don't have your helmet on, whoo, tough times are coming. And we talked about being sure of your salvation, knowing that you were saved, not having doubts about that. And we talked about hell strategy talking about getting you to question and doubt your salvation um, that you're saved or not and our focus was grace and humility and submission so focusing on those so okay that's a lot of stuff all right so this week we're ending the the deal with the sword of the spirit even though technically we could say there's one more piece of armor or warfare does anyone have an idea what that extra piece it's in here but it's not in there 
No, that's what we're talking about today. What does it say right after Ephesians 6, I think 17, 18? We'll talk about it a little bit, but it's, it's not really there, but we could insinuate that it's there, but I'm calling it the spear, and it's prayer. Prayer. We, we'll talk about that later, but... Pray in the spirit. Yeah, pray in the spirit. And so we could talk about that, but uh, that's a whole other series on that one, on prayer. But the sword of the spirit protects us, and you can put this in your notes, this is fill in if you want, protects us from apathy and complacency. You know, the sword is all about action. It's all about acting upon what you believe. The sword is about finishing the job, completing the task. Just like the shoes are your foundation and begin the motion to action, it correlates that your feet start you off and your sword finishes the job. Hell's strategy would be to bring doubt and unbelief that your words that you speak have any authority or power because the sword of the Spirit is all about what's coming out your mouth. And if what's coming out of your mouth is not mixed with faith, it's just words coming out of your mouth. But if the words coming out of your mouth are mixed with faith, God's words coming out of your mouth with faith, then you have a deadly sword for the enemy, an effective tool to accomplish and to take hold of the promises that you're believing for. And our focus on this is going to be knowing the word of God and knowing your authority. So the focus has got to be knowing God's word, but just not knowing about it knowing how it mixes with faith, and you use it in a spiritual sense. And I'm going to give you a story later on how that works and looks and how to do that. So on the bottom there, I, took, I talked about other ways to look at it that kind of simplified it, and this helped me. So if it helps you, great. If not, you can just scratch it over. So another way to look at the, the bottom three, the basic three or the foundational three, was the belt deals with, do you know what God said? So that deals with knowledge, Remember? So do you know what God said? The truth, the bell of truth, God's word. You got to know what it says. And the breastplate had to do with, do you believe what God said? Right? And then the shoes were about, do you know what to do with what God said? And that has to do with action. And then our last three, we talked about the shield of faith. Says, that's not what God said. Okay, so remember, what was the belt? It was knowing what God said then the shield of faith has to do with discernment and knowing when that fiery dart comes and hits your shield and it says, and it's a thought coming through your mind, your shield of faith's got to say, wait a minute, that's not what God's word says. You've got to have the belt of truth of knowledge, but you've all got to have the discernment of saying, no, wait, you're trying to trick me. I'm a, I'm a victor in Christ. We were singing so, we're so good, so good, and oh no, um, never going uh, to let me go, or no, what was it called? The, never going to let me down, right? I get all the phrases mixed up. And as I was singing that, you're never going to let me down. The verses just kept coming to my head that says, um, you can do all things through Christ. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And all these scriptures that kept coming to mind like, you know what? He's not. That's a true song. We're singing truth there. And so that's, but that's the word of God has to be mixed with a song. You can sing whatever song you want. But if it's based out of scriptural truth, that's when it comes alive. 
So the belt related to the shield of faith with truth, the same way the breastplate, when you say, do I believe what God said, the helmet says, not only do I believe, but I'm going to submit to what the God's word says. I'm going to believe that. And then we talked about the shoes being um, the action part, but then the sword correlating with that and being the, the action of the final joust. You start with your shoes, it correlates to the end, which is the sword of the spirit says, I agree with God's word, and especially, importantly, I will act upon what, the, what God's word says. Isn't it crazy that you could have all this armor, do all of this stuff, and not do the last step, and it don't even hardly matter? <clears throat> you could spend a lot of time reading the Bible, coming to church, memorizing scripture, going to Sunday school, listening to good po- uh, sermon pods online. You can do all that. But if you, at the end of the day, can't exercise your faith and take what you've learned and speak it with authority, you're just a guy running around with armor on. You won't be very effective. So that's why today's critical, guys, that we get this nugget, this foundational nugget of, of speaking and confessing God's word in our hearts. So let's take a closer look at that. I'll, I'll be down about 310. When does the Super Bowl start? <laughs> Skip's like, I'll leave anyway. It doesn't matter to me. I know, right? I know, the anticipation. All right, so Ephesians 6, 17. Put on the helmet of salvation we talked about. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So let's look at that. Let's break it down. So first of all, the sword. Looking at the sword, this actually is defined as a short sword or a dagger, mainly used for stabbing. It's interesting now because we're we're in the physical part of this. So, whoa, sword, blood. How many people like those old movies where it's sword fights? (laughs) All the guys? I do. I like them. Okay. No one's wanting to raise their hand. Be all spiritual. Oh, I never watch those. My sons, oh my gosh, they were so into those, um, Lord of the Rings. Um, they, they had a lot of good spiritual principles in those movies, but man, the sword fights were epic. And uh, oh man, they just loved it. There's something in little young boys, men, that just, they want to fight. And I think that's an innate thing that God's given us, all of us, to be fighters that he can bring out. Anyway, so the sword is a short dagger, mainly for, um, for stabbing. An instrument, <clears throat> listen, an instrument for it, 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 exacting retribution. Okay? Now, yeah, your, your brain's already going, yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Physical sword, yeah, had to do a lot with power. The sword symbolized power and authority and, and control and all that. But here it's talking about retribution. It's talking about, hey, you're getting back or you're evening up the score. And I think, huh, the enemy's taken stuff from us, robbed us. He's lied He's killed. He's stole from us. He has been. And a lot of people in this room right now are getting ripped off from hell because you're believing lies. And I thought the sword is what the last dagger that we can jolt in in the spirit to get back what's rightfully ours, to get payback, to bring things to an even keel of what Christ died for. And so if you look at the root of this word for sword, it talks about engaging in a battle in a fight, it talks about um, contending and uh, over a dispute. 
Don't we have a dispute with somebody? What God's word says and what the enemy's trying to put in our life. What God's word says and what we're experiencing in life and living. We, you ever look at God's word or read a scripture, or, especially when you read through Acts, and you go, man, I wish my life was, I don't see this in my life. I want more of this in my life. I want my life to match more with the word. Amen. And it's like right now with the word of God and the sword of the spirit, this tool, this weapon of warfare is to help you and me do that. The sword is where it's at, where we get back and we start living. Because see, you can have all that other armor on, but if you don't have the sword, you can't live like the scriptures talk about. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. You can't operate spiritually without it. So the sword. The spirit, obviously, is defined wind, breath, or spirit. And in the context, we obviously know this is the capital S, the Holy Spirit, God working with the sword. He takes the spirit of God's weapon and us to settle disputes. But we're striving, we're battling something. But remember, we're not, who are we battling with? It's not a person, right? It's an entity, it's a spiritual kingdom. The Bible says, Paul said earlier, it's not against flesh and blood that we warfare, but it's against principalities and powers. So we're fighting against a spirit. This sword that we talk about in the physical realm has to translate into a spiritual retribution or a spiritual dispute settler or a spiritual stab. So how does it do that? Well, if we look at the next context, we know in our minds that it says, which is the word of God. So it kind of translates that for us, right? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But if we look a little closer, I think there's a better definition that will help us get a hold of this truth. The, 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 the Greek word for word is that Greek word you've probably heard, rhema. And it's, the definition is a thing spoken. So listen to the New Heart English Bible translation of Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. It's not just, oh, I got, it's not the word, it's the spoken word. King James says, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the spoken rhema word of God. The rhema is the spoken word of God. When it's put with God, that means it's God's life-giving word. When he speaks, it's life. And the word of God gets his power, and we speak, when we exercise our sword and we speak God's word, we exercise spiritual dynamite and power. Listen to this translation of Romans 10, 17 that we just uh, read. This is actually the Greek text. Literally, it says this. So faith proceeds from spiritual hearing. Moreover, this hearing is consummated through a rhema word from Christ. It's interesting that it says God in most translations, but the Greek word for that word is Christa, which means Christ. So it's the spoken word of life. Jesus, remember, said, I am the word. God was, or Jesus was the spoken word of God, the living word. And so we have this sword that we can use, but it's not just a sword in the physical, it's a spiritual sword. And the only way we can actually do the action of 
fighting and cutting and slicing and stabbing. We don't fight against flesh and blood. I know it's kind of bloody there, but it's the picture you need. Because just like you would with a sword get that crazy killing, you have to have the same um, mindset in the spirit. You have to cut and stab and slice in the spirit towards the enemy by speaking God's word with that passion and belief. Are you with me? That's an important concept that we got to know because a lot of people, well, Jesus did it all and we're just supposed to love everybody. You're supposed to, this isn't dealing with people. We don't want to get in the lobby and start stabbing people (laughs) with our words. (laughs) But you do want to be vicious with the enemy. I mean, if you had someone come in your house, you had little kids, wouldn't you do anything necessary to take care of that guy? I would. I got got two words for him, Smith and Wesson. (laughs) So the question is, how do we use the sword? How do we actually practically use this today? So I want to look at that. So the first thing we got to understand, if you want to use this rhema, the spoken powerful word of God in the spirit with your sword, (laughs) is you've got to understand your power and authority. If you do not understand what power and authority is, or that you're commissioned, then you can never really understand how to speak and use that. Luke 9.1. Turn there if you want. Or write it down, you can look at it later. 9.1, Luke 9.1 says this. One day, Jesus called his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons, to heal the, uh, all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So this is interesting, that Jesus came from God. The word for authority that we'll look at in a second was used over and over by the Pharisees. And you know what the Pharisees were always saying? By what authority are you saying this? They were mad at Jesus because they didn't didn't fit their paradigm of thinking. So Jesus uh, had fun with them and played with them and never really, he answered them but didn't have fun with them and such. But it was the same word for authority. Who gave you the authority to say these things? Remember the one time he said, hey, should I say get up and take your mat or should I say your sins are forgiven? And that freaked him out. Wait, well, wait, wait a minute. You could, healing, isn't healing different than forgiving of sins? Jesus said, ah, whatever. I, whatever you want me to say. If it makes you feel better, take up your mat and go home. Yeah, but it's the same thing as saying you're forgiven because he had the authority to forgive sins. And so to me, wow, if you know your authority and know that you have power, the words you speak become more important and more effective, more efficient. So you've got to know your power and authority. So in Luke 9, we see those two words. Let's look at those two words. The first word is power. Power is translated, I love this word, dunamis. It's like dynamite. It's the same word used when Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes, Lord, I will say that. The Holy Spirit said, you tell them what witness means. Okay, this is a side point, sorry. Holy Spirit says, the word for witness is martyr. Did you know that? Martyr. So I'm going to read it differently. Martyr. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my martyrs. Isn't that a little different than witness? <laughs> Let's just keep it the English translation. Witness, I'm going to be your witness. Jesus loves you. Have a great day. I'm going to go to the Super Bowl party in my Lexus and in my, you know. Just kidding. My point is, is that the power that God gives you and me gives us the ability to give our very life for Christ, to give it all, nothing held back, guys. Wow, what a powerful thing. God's given you power, and he's given you that ability. You can have the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, they were already had the Spirit within at this point. This was the Spirit upon so the power of God comes through the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And one of the results of having this power is the gift of tongues. For everybody. We're going we're gonna to do a whole series on this later, but that's for everybody. Tongues is not just, God doesn't say, you get it, you don't, you don't get it, you get it, you get it. That's not how it works. This promise, it says in Acts, read it. This promise that he gave to give you power is for you and your kids and everyone else that will read this book, Amen. which is you and me. Yes. So that power is dunamis. It means physical power, force, might, ability, energy, powerful deeds, powerful, marvelous works. Are you expecting that in your life? Amen. We should be, church. Every one of you, we should be expecting the miraculous in our life when we meet people and tell them about Jesus and pray for them. We should be believing for the miraculous all the time. It should be a normal for us. In fact, I'm praying and believing that as we continue church together, that we're going to be coming here on Sundays, and, and, and Sundays it's going to grow and grow and grow, and every week someone's going to be coming up and giving a testimony. Oh my gosh, this guy in the grocery store I prayed for, and he was sick, and I just said, hey, can I pray for you and lay hands on him? And God totally healed him. I know that's going to happen. It's already happening. So I believe that. So that's the power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite, the ability. You have been given power to do the work of the ministry. Jesus purchased for you and forcibly took this back. You guys have the right. Listen to what Colossians 2.13 says about what Jesus did so that you could have this type of power. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Man, can you imagine getting a huge credit card and the debt paid for? So much more than that. You had a credit card of sin built up in the millions and there's no way you would ever going to be able to pay this credit card off. But Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to pay your sin credit card off and get you at a zero balance. Isn't that awesome? So he did that in order, not just to do that because he loved us, but he did that in order to give us power and authority. Listen, which stood against us and condemned us, the, the legal indebtedness. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And this is where it gets pretty cool. It's, I mean, not that it could be cooler than that. But 15 says this, verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, 
Jesus disarmed powers and authority. Do you know what disarm means? What? Yeah, it means a little more. Stripped him naked. You know what this verse talks about? This verse implies in this time when they did warfare, the losing people, the leader, would get stripped naked and tied and have to walk through the, the, the camp of the victor. Stripped naked, embarrassed, humiliated. Jesus humiliated hell by what he did on the cross. He made an open, public spectacle of hell. By triumphing over the cross, he made them look completely foolish. They thought the whole time, yes, we're killing them, yeah. The demons were cheering and excited. Oh, yeah, we're getting them. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, he took his last breath. And they thought that. Oh. And then the curtain tore. The earthquake started. Uh-oh. What, what, what did we do? <laughs> we screwed up. So this is what Jesus did. He disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Guys, Jesus did this so that you would have the power to preach the gospel of Christ and to see people healed, saved, set, uh, set free from demonic bondage. That's what God has for you, every one of you. Minus no one in this room. Everybody in this room has that uh, ability to take that gift. So we talked about power. Let's look at authority. So dunamis, the power. Now authority is the Greek word exousia. And this word means authority, weight. It means the um, spiritual power. And look at the, the, the root of this word. The root of this word talks about conferred power, delegated empowerment. And if you think about this word of authority, it refers to the authority God gives you and me, authorizing us to act to the extent that we are guided by faith in his word. It is the authority given to us. It's the ability, the authority given to us to act upon his name, to speak in his name. Matthew 28, you've all read this before, 28, 18, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came and said to them, all exousia, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus speaking. Now you guys take that same authority and go. Every one of you have that commission. Every one of us that's born again, Jesus says, I've been given all authority. I've made an open public spectacle of the enemy. I have the authority now. I have the keys of the kingdom. I have, I've got the keys of hell. It's freedom time, baby. And all the authority and power I have, now I've given it to you, 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 and you. And you guys go and exercise, walk in, and produce what I did. And you know what? He says, you're going to do even better things than me. So he healed the sick. Blind eyes were open, raised the dead, cast out demons, fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. Is that all included? Yeah? Yeah. So we have to, guys, increase our faith to start going, God's given me this authority and power to go do this in the world. What, so you can be cool? No. So that people get saved, guys. There's a thousand people in this city that are going to hell unless you and me step in the way. They are walking towards a cliff unless you and me get in front of them and convince them and love them and help them turn, they're going to walk off the cliff. It's up to me and you. 
That's why God gave you power. He knew it would take power. We couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't come up with the greatest ideas to help them, but God's given you creativeness and power of the Holy Spirit to go out and the authority to go out and convince and preach the word and uh, uh, confirm the word, the gospel message with signs and wonders. That's why he did all those things. He wasn't a show off. Well, he kind of was. I mean, Jesus, right? I mean, he did some pretty cool stuff. But he wasn't doing it to show off. He was doing it to confirm the message. And if you have faith and you preach the word, you can do those same works to confirm the message by healing the sick and praying for the dead to be raised. Every one of you. Well, that's the authority and the power. But we can learn those words. We can read the definitions. We can amen it. But if we don't believe what the word says applies to us personally, it's just a bunch of empty words talking up here. If we don't believe in our hearts that what God says, this word, what it says is speaking to me, and I can take this word, rhema, God's spoken word, to me personally, Doug Dossie, and if I read through the Psalms, I can take what it says, and I can take it and apply it to my life and believe for it and, and expect it to happen. That just got rid of a lot, a big percentage of the church. Not this church, but church in, 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 in the universal sense. This word, you have to believe that it applies to you personally. You must believe that God has commissioned you just in the same way he commissioned Christ. You are God's ambassadors, church. You have power and authority in your heart to do this. Listen to this in John 20, verse 19. The Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Just picture that right now. Picture the fact that if we were here right now and we had to lock these doors, all park down the street or walk because we didn't want to see any, we were afraid that people were going to see a bunch of cars and come in and kill us or drag us off to jail. Just think of that. It's hard for us to conceptualize, but many churches are being persecuted right now in a lot of countries that have to meet secretly. In fact, I've heard a wonderful story in China where they, their church meetings were all organized by the Holy Spirit. And they, when the Holy Spirit prompted all of them, they met and a bunch of people showed up at the same time. And that's when they had church. And that, guys, they were locked doors afraid. Suddenly, Jesus appeared standing there among them. Peace, don't be afraid, he said, and spoke and showed them the wounds in his hand, the physical body. They were filled with joy, obviously, when they saw the Lord. And he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Guys, that scripture is to you. Each one of you. It's not just the disciples. It's a lie of the enemy. Oh, just the, the disciples had special powers because they were starting the church. And the, no, that's baloney. 
It's for everyone that believes. Everyone in this room, Jesus says to you today, and you're held accountable to this from today on. Jesus says to you in this room, as the Father has sent him, so Jesus is sending you. With power, dunamis, power. Ability, might, to do great things. And authority to speak in his name. You've got to speak in his name. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors on behalf of Christ. Listen to this translation. I love this. As if God were imploring you through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ that you be reconciled to God. You have to believe, this is in your notes, you have to believe that you have power and authority from God in order to use your sword effectively. You have to believe that you have this power. You have to believe that you have the authority. I'll end with this this story. I love this scripture. Mark 11, verse 12 through 20. Remember the story about the fig tree that Jesus cursed? Crazy story, if you really look at it. Let's look at it. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree, a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. So he was expecting fruit. But it wasn't the season for figs. (laughs) Okay, Jesus, are you fasting because you're acting a little funny? Then he said to the tree, may no one ever, oh, what did it say? Jesus did what? Oh, he spoke to the tree? So the words came out of his mouth. He spoke it. Okay, just want to make sure grammatically we're on the same page. So Jesus spoke, oh, sword. Oh, death to a tree. Interesting. Okay. And his disciples heard him say it. And then they went on the story. He went to the temple and I, and I read some of the translations, uh, some commentaries, and they, they wanted to make this about, and it could be, and you know, it's kind of one of those things where, sure, talk about the fruitlessness of the Israel people and how they weren't <laughs> bearing fruit and they should have been bearing fruit. But if you read the next context, you'll see, what did this really mean about this fig tree thing? It fascinates me. So in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots, and Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. He was obviously shocked, right? Like, hey, you just talked to a tree, and it totally died and had green leaves the day before. That's pretty weird. What's going on? Like, amazed, bewildered, wondering what's going on. What does Jesus say to him? The first words out of Jesus' mouth, have faith in God. Jesus, it wasn't fig season, Why? What? What's going on? Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone thinks, oh, thank you so much. What did it say? Oh, not not think, not hope. It says says. It says speak. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure. It's It's an easy word, but I know I can skip over that. So, Jesus said, if anyone says to this mountain, come on, 
if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it does, and does not doubt in their heart. Remember, every armor has a protection and the enemy's gonna try and bring doubt in. But believes, right, underline this in your Bibles, highlight it on your phones, write it down. But believes that what they say will happen. Come on, guys. This is where it gets down to degree. If you believe what you say will happen, Jesus says, it will be done for them. Oh, period. <laughs> My wife's an English teacher. I'm good at the, I know what a period is. That means it's over. It will be done for them. Then he goes on and says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, ask, speaking, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, he gives a little nugget here in 25. He says, I'm going to give you verse 25 just to help you know, because sometimes you're going to speak something, and try, you're going to be trying to believe for something, and something's going to trip you up, and you're not going to get what you ask for, and you're going to be like, well, God, I'm believing for this. What happened? Why am I not getting what I asked for? So he says in verse 25, oh, this is probably a big percentage of what's going to happen in all of the universe. And when you stand praying... Okay, meaning standing and praying, believing in faith, speaking over the mountain, expecting it to be moved, not doubting in your heart, having faith. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven will forgive you. Implicating that this will hold back your prayer from being answered if you're not gonna be a forgiving person. Because you're gonna be in odds with God because God's not forgiving you. <gasps> But I thought if you believe and confess his name and ask him into your heart, you're all forgiven. All sins are gone. Forever and ever and ever. Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus just said, if you don't forgive your brother, Heavenly Father is going to still hold that sin against you. Yikes. That messes up theology a little bit. Jesus liked to do that. Jesus spoke to this fig tree when it wasn't supposed to have figs, and he expected that fig tree to have a piece of fruit for him. Isn't that astronomical faith? I mean, you know what I thought of when I first read that? I said, God, how can you expect something that's not in the season to be on the tree? That doesn't make sense. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, in Jesus's, I don't know, it might have been Jesus said it. Oh, hey, in where I live, Fruit comes every month. In heaven, the tree of life, fruit says it produces every month. And so in Jesus' world, the true reality, there should have been fruit on that tree. Why? Because it was a season or not? No, it has nothing to do with the season. It's because God said, I want some fruit. He spoke to the tree. He had faith. He believed. And so it didn't happen. It's like, he's like, wait a minute. He spoke to it and it died. But the point is that he had the faith, he was believing for something and it should have had that. And it tells me that no matter what you see in life right now, no matter what you're facing, if it seems silly, like, hey, wait, this shouldn't be happening or why am I experiencing this? I'm a, you know, it's, not, it's not the season. All your excuses, you can trust God and believe for things even though they're not as though they are. That's faith. It's believing for the things you can't see. 
the things that don't make sense to your natural body. When you're sick and you're trying to believe for healing, but you have pain, what are you going to do? Oh, I got, I got pain. I'm sick. Here it goes again. I'm going to go to the blah, 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 blah. Start speaking all that death over yourself. Or are you going to go, no, I don't care what my body says. What does God's word say? What's coming out of your mouth? We need to speak, guys, we need to speak God's word to and over our mountains. You need to speak God's word to your mountains and over your mountains. You need to take authority over the mountains in your life. Quit letting the mountains dominate you and you dominate the mountain. You have the power and authority to speak to that mountain and tell it to leave. Amen? Amen. And I know that's hard sometimes, guys. It's easier said than actually done in practice, but it works. It works, it works, it works. You know, the early church did this too. In Acts, and I won't go into it, but they prayed. Um, they were getting persecuted. People were dying. And in Acts 4, chapter 23, the disciples prayed and they said, Lord, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David and you said this. So what, what, what was the church doing? When they prayed and were believing for something, they took God's word and spoke it back to him. They quoted the Psalms. God, you said this. Now I'm speaking it back to you. God, you said this. Now will you do this for us because you said this. I'm trusting you, God. And they prayed. And the Lord, uh, they prayed, Lord, consider our, their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then it said the place they prayed was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys, when you take God's word and speak it over your mountains and to your mountains, you're going to see great effect. But you have to believe that when you speak, you have the power. So, sorry it's going long. I'll, I'll end it. Um, I was praying for a guy once, and this might be new to some of you, so don't let it freak you out, but it's real, so you just have to learn to be okay with it. So I was, I was, I was praying over this guy was several years ago, and he had several demons, and um, I was commanding this one demon to leave him, and his you know, eyes were rolled back. I mean, it was intense, and you could tell the spirit. He wasn't even aware it was going on. And the spirit was talking to me, saying stuff. I was commanding the spirit to leave, and uh, as I was praying, it was the coolest thing ever. I'll never forget it. I felt like, come here real quick, babe. So, so she's praying for this guy that has a demon. Get out. So I felt like the Holy, Holy Spirit, this is me, a little shorter me, but little me. I felt like the Holy Spirit came behind me and was right here going, yeah. And, and, he, and he spoke this into my ear. And I'm telling, I'm commanding, I forget what the spirit was, probably fear or whatever. And I was commanding the spirit to go. And, and I kind of stopped and the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want you to say the words out of your mouth just like the words are coming out of my mouth and out your mouth. When you speak those words, they're my words coming out your mouth and, and enacting power. And he, he, he illuminated that and I was like, <laughs> 
I mean, I, I, I finally got authority. You can say that, man. I finally got what it meant to <laughs> exercise power and, and operate in the stead of someone else because the Holy Spirit goes, no, when you speak, those are my, even though you're speaking in your mouth, that's the Spirit of God and those are my words. That demon's not going to obey you, Doug, because you're speaking it. You're nothing without me. But if these are my words, that demon's scared. So all of a sudden, this whole thing clicked in my mind like, oh, so when I speak, I'm speaking on behalf of God. And when I command that spirit to go, there is no choice for that spirit to leave. It's got to leave. There's no choice. So man, I don't, something clicked in my heart. And I said, get out. And that, that demon was just freaked out. And it went. And I was like, I was like, thank you. Like, okay, that makes sense to me. Because I know in myself, I have nothing without him. But if I understand authority and power and I speak to it with God's spirit in me and it's him doing the speaking, I'm just the vessel. You guys know that, right? We're all a vessel. We're all just a vessel of God. And he speaks and, you know, you're either saturated with the Holy Spirit or you're saturated with hell and demonic influence. Oh, it says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled, intoxicated with the spirit the Holy Spirit. But that implicates that you can be so full of the Spirit that the Spirit of God speaks and acts out of your being. He's using you as a vessel to promote the kingdom of God. Or you can allow hell be so full of lies and demonic activity that you produce hell out of your mouth and out of your life. So you're going to be influenced by something. Make it the Holy Ghost. Make it the kingdom of God speaking through you so that when you speak, it's God speaking. Because in a weird way, if you speak curses to people, you're letting that demon speak and use your mouth to speak through you. I've seen it both ways, guys, in reality, not just in the Bible. It's real. And you have to know your authority. And you have to begin to look at the things that are coming against you that are against God's word as your enemy. And you have to run at it with your sword. And you have to run at it with power and authority. You have to run at it with knowing that God is right behind you. Yeah. Just like, I felt like a little kid, like he was just coaching me along, helping me be a better Christian. It was awesome. But he's right behind you doing the same thing, if you'll listen, and giving you the same authority and power to tackle your mountains, to get your your life in alignment with his word, guys. Don't settle for less. Gary, don't settle for less. Get his word and know his word and take every promise as yours and fight for it. You're gonna have to give up a lot of things too. You're gonna have to sacrifice a lot of junk. Mark 5.1 says this. It's, Jesus, you know, it's funny because when I was telling that demon to leave, I had to say it a lot. I was commanding a lot. I command you out, and I was repeatedly saying it. And I read a, a place in Mark where Jesus did the same thing. And it says in the Greek text that, that Jesus had been commanding the spirit. It was the one, remember, the, the demon that called himself Legion? It was the crazy demoniac that had cut himself. <laughs> And in there, you'll see in the Greek that it talks about Jesus had been telling him to leave. But check this out, guys, just to help you understand warfare better. 
that demon was resisting Jesus' words for a time. But the fact of God in the flesh and that demon ha had the ability to stay even after Jesus had told him a few times to leave, because in our minds we think, well, Jesus just says one word. Go, gone, boom, let's go have lunch. Right? But G I want you to understand that spiritual battle is not just a, oh, one thing and you're done. No, it's a battle. And your sword... Don't stop until it's dead. Don't stop until that mountain's dead. All right, I could go on, but. Sword of the Spirit protects you from apathy and complacency because if you're not speaking God's word out, you get in that state of just complacent Christianity, not doing much, happy with the status quo, never taking ground. You're just a guy walking around with maybe parts of your armor on, some of it off. Hell's strategy will try and bring doubt and unbelief that what you're speaking is not from God. It's just your own. You're doing it on your own. But don't believe that lie. Rebuke that lie. And then your focus needs to be knowing his word and understanding and knowing and believing your authority that you have. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. We thank you for your most powerful word. We thank you, God, that... Um, you are the God who cared enough for us not only to sacrifice your own life, but to give us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, you forgave our sins. You gave us a home in heaven. But God, you gave us great tools to fight for people that don't know you. Lord, you gave us great ability and power and authority to help those that don't know Jesus to get saved. So we thank you for that, God. Help us to pray in the Spirit. Help us to take our authority as we pray and as we talk to people and as we talk to our mountain. With every head bowed and eye closed right now, I just want to ask you if you're in right standing with God. I, I want to ask if you've surrendered your life to Christ. Have you given your heart to Christ? Are you sure that today if you met him that you have a home in heaven? Are you sure that you've exercised faith in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would say, you know, Pastor Doug, I'm not really sure about that. I, I heard, heard what you said today, but I don't know Jesus like this, and, but I would like to know him that way. If that's you this morning and you would say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I need to, I need to surrender my life. Because you know what? You can't use the sword until you surrender. You can't use the armor. You can't wear the armor until you become a kid of the Most High God. You don't get the privilege of the armor until you surrender to the king of kings. So if you've never surrendered to the king of kings and you want to do that this morning, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand up and just catch my eye, and I'm going to pray with you after service if that's you. But is there anyone here today that will say, no, Pastor Doug, I haven't surrendered to the king of kings, but I do. I want to, I want to surrender to him, and I want to get into this armor, and I want to start living a life that God's destined me to live. If that's you, raise your hand up. Anybody in the, in the room today? Anybody at all? I'm going to always give this opportunity, church. Always give the opportunity for people to know Jesus. You can count on it. When you bring your friends, you bring neighbors, there's always going to be a part where I'm going to say, you've got to know Jesus, else none of this even matters. You've got to know the king. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. Oh, Father, we're so thankful for who you are. Help us to... 
understand your authority. Help us to walk in this this week, God. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. God, we want to be doers of the word. Help us all this week to be doers of the word and not just hearers. God, help us to face our mountains with faith and help us to face it with friends beside us that will help us use our sword wisely. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Amen.